following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Thanks, guys. Now, go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I knew it was a mistake to let that slip. As soon as it came out of my mouth, telling Nate that it was my birthday today, I was like, that's never, never give information to someone who controls a microphone. All right, you can go now. Goodbye. <laughs> well, the other thing is, you may not know, you obviously now know it's my birthday, but did you know it was also Elvis's birthday today? Yeah, right? Which I think is pretty cool because it means that it gives us a chance to commemorate the birth of one of the most talented and entertaining figures that the 20th century ever produced. And Elvis. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, well, welcome again to 2017. It's now the second week of the year, which means that we come to that very special time of year when we realize that all of those fantastic New Year's resolutions were actually probably not really uh, doable. And the idea of getting up at 5.30 every morning, doing an hour of Bible study, and then going for a run before getting to work, not as enthusiastic about that as we perhaps were on January 1st. But that's okay. Still, we've got a lovely year ahead of us and a great future. But before we get into that, before we kind of try and find our footing and our bearing in this new year, I thought it would be good to set a proper foundation, to have a look back, to have a look at the beginning. Because as we start the beginning of a new year, this is a good chance to look at the beginning of everything, the beginning of creation, the beginning of the story of the world. And so I want to take us to the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Those are the first words of the Bible. I love it. I think it's fantastic. It's just a very simple, matter-of-fact statement. There's no like poetic language or big dramatic entrance or anything like that. It's just a statement. God made the heavens and the earth. Like it's, you know, no big deal. And yet... How can we watch that video on Indescribable and think that it's no big deal? It's a big deal. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting on the beach at Cathedral Cove in the Coromandel. Stunning, beautiful day. And I'm just sitting there. And my feet are in the sand, this golden soft sand. The sparkling water is lapping gently up against the beach. Bahutakawa trees are just like climbing the cliffs above me. I mean, this world is a big deal. God made some incredible stuff. I mean, the more we explore the wildlife, the mountains, the trees, the lakes, the rivers, everything, it's a big deal. It's a masterpiece, an unbelievable collection of scientific brilliance and artistic majesty. It compels songwriters to call it indescribable. And it is. So let's have a look at it this morning. 
I want to kind of dive in a little bit and, and just kind of rummage around and have a look at what God did all the way back then and see if there's something amongst the amazingness of what God created that might set us on a good path this year. Continuing on in verse 2. <clears throat> now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. All right, so we've got the first three days of creation here. And you know what the first thing that jumps out at me here? And we know this, but it's just amazing to me that God said stuff and it appeared. I love that statement. It was so. God said, let there be light. And there was light where there was no light before. God said, let there be sky. God said, let there be vegetation. Let the waters be parted. All of this stuff. He just said it and it happened. It's just pretty incredible. The other thing that jumps out at me is the symmetry of what's going on here. There's a, a distinct pattern in the way that God is creating. And I don't know if you notice something about the first three days, but God is setting the stage with the first three uh, days here. He is like setting the table for the main meal. And he does it through this theme of separation. Did you hear that word coming up here? Separation. On day one, God separates the light from the darkness. And in doing so, he creates a space of time so that we can exist within that space of time and go about our activities. And then on day two, he creates a separation between the waters, the waters below and the waters above. And in doing so, he creates the space of atmosphere, a place for us to exist in. And then on day three, he separates the waters again. This time he separates them and gathers them together and land comes up. And he creates the space of geography. So he's created these dimensions for us to exist in. And then he creates vegetation. Oh, by the way, interesting uh, little side note. If you're familiar with the, the Maori uh, traditional stories of creation, you'll see separation there as well. It's very interesting between uh, Rangi, the sky father, and Papa, uh, earth mother, the separation that creates the space for people to live in. This is very interesting to me. I like the symmetry there. And so then God creates the vegetation, and in doing so, he's basically creating this fantastic life support system 
And it starts with the light that he creates on day one. Light does more than just illuminate the places where we need to see. It gives us warmth. It gives us energy. And it gives food to the vegetation that grows. And then the vegetation itself, the plants, the fruits, the vegetables, all of that stuff, not only that is food for all of the animal life, but it itself is this fantastic waste management system that God has built into the earth. Have a look at this, this picture I've got up here. Animals, not excluding ourselves, of course, breathe out carbon dioxide, right? That's our waste from our lungs. Carbon dioxide is useless to us once it has been exhaled. So the plant life, trees and all of that, they breathe it in. And what do they breathe out? Oxygen. It recycles the air for us, but that's not all. Not only that, but we also create biological waste, or to use a more scientific term, poop. And this fertilizes the ground and produces the nutrients that the plants need to grow. And then that growth produces food for us to eat. So it is recycling that waste and creating more food. It is a beautiful synergistic cycle that God has created into this world. That the plants, the vegetation, the land, the light, everything, the separation of spaces is all designed to host life on earth. It's incredible. Plus, it's pretty. You know, it looks really good. But God's just getting started. You see, now he's created three distinct spaces, time he's, uh, or, or space. He's created the space of atmosphere, the sky and the water. And he's created the space of land. And now he's going to get started filling those spaces. And he does it again in the same order. Verse 14, on day four, he said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate day from night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault in the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. So God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. But again, it's just not that simple, is it? The more we look out into the universe that God created, the more incredible and amazing it is. Because it's not just a big yellow ball and a small white ball and then a sheet, a blue sheet with holes poked in it, you know? There's more to it. I mean, we're talking about the sun here, which is this colossal ball of gas that is a hundred times as wide as the earth, plus a hundred times as tall as the earth, burning at a rate of somewhere around two million degrees Celsius. And yet that's just one star. That's just like an average kind of star strewn amongst, what is it, a, a, an estimated, I've got to look at this number, one billion trillion stars that we kind of guesstimate are out there. 
similar balls of gas strewn through the universe like marbles tossed along the floor. It's incredible how, ex- how much God has made. But do you want to see something really cool? This is a picture of our solar system. This is what I call the biggest sort of building block of the universe. Nearly all of the stars, or most of the stars, the 100 trillion billion stars, have similar solar systems with planets or other sort of rocks and and objects orbiting in circles around the central star, right? This is stuff, you know, from primary school science, so hopefully you've kind of come across this before. It's a fantastic system of of rotating and and making seasons and days and all that sort of stuff. Very simple, poetic sort of concept. You want to see something else really cool? Do you want to see a picture of the smallest building block in the universe? The atom. Look at the symmetry between those two. It just blows me away how similar God's biggest building block and his smallest building block look so similar. You've got a nucleus, protons and neutrons with electrons spinning around in a circle. Let's have a, look at, uh, a little closer look here. As you've got here, you've got this very simple sort of concept. Um, everything in the universe, everything in the universe is comprised of different types of atoms. Everything. The planets, the elephants, the mountains, the rivers, broccoli, that thing your cat coughed up this morning, everything is built up with atoms. You know why they say you can't trust an atom? Because they make up everything. (laughs) You're welcome. But all atoms, no matter what type, have a very similar basic structure. Protons and neutrons in the middle and electrons circling in, in orbits around it. So that means that everything in the universe, everything is made up with three building blocks. Everything is comprised of three things, neutrons, protons, and electrons. It's like building an entire Lego city with just three blocks. It's incredibly complex, incredibly simple. But there's more! (laughs) You see, as the atoms add electrons, it turns into different elements with completely different characteristics. So the difference between the oxygen in your lungs and the gold on your finger, ring finger, finger ring, there's no gold in your finger, by the way, just just so I'm saying, but the difference between the oxygen in your lungs and the gold on your ring is just a few different protons and electrons. And yet one is a gas, and the other one is solid as a rock. And then you've got hydrogen atoms, which are gas, and they're floating around, and then they combine with oxygen molecules, uh, atoms, which are also a gas, and then presto, you've got water, which is a liquid, and sustains all life on Earth. I mean, it's just incredible the way that God has built it. But there's more. (laughs) 
Let's say I blow uh, the hydrogen atom, not literally, of course, that would be dangerous, but if I kind of expanded it out, a hydrogen atom is the simplest one. It has one proton in the middle and one electron. And let's say it is the size of a golf ball. I had a golf ball. What happened to my golf ball? I don't know. That's all right. You're going to pretend like there's a golf ball in my hand right now. I'm going to be very impressed. So let's say it's the size of a golf ball. This golf ball nucleus, okay, not the atom, just the nucleus, would weigh around 942,000 tons. Okay, that's 24 sky towers crammed into a little golf ball, which makes it a little hard to hold, but you know, that's, that's why I'm not holding one. But that's not, more, not all, because its electron is orbiting in a circle. Do you know how far away it would be? Two and a half kilometers. So while I'm holding a golf ball here, the nucleus, its electron is all the way somewhere out of the North Harbor Stadium going around in a big circle. You know what that tells me? That tells me a couple of things. One is everything is made up of mostly nothing. There is an incredible amount of nothingness in the atom. So this, this music stand, which is solid, is almost nothing. There's so much emptiness within it, and yet it is solid. You know, we make fun of the Scientologists for saying that nothing is real. It turns out they're closer than, than either of us thought. But it's incredible how it's all bonded together with almost nothing there. And you know what the other thing that tells me? If a nucleus the size of a golf ball has got an electron two and a half kilometers away in orbit, think of how strong that magnetic bond is. Think how much magnetic energy is required to keep an electron all the way out, two and a half kilometers away. As a little bit of um, perspective, if I took the sun and squeezed it down into the size of a golf ball, the earth would be rotating around it about four and a half meters away. So somewhere in the middle of the auditorium here. Pluto, the furthest planet, and yes, it's a planet, the furthest planet from the sun would be 200 meters away, somewhere out in the middle of the fields. And yet an electron for a nucleus is two and a half kilometers away. That is so incredibly strong. And yet it keeps that bond so strongly that it is near impossible to split apart. And when you do, it unleashes a kind of power unlike we've seen in the history. These are the incredible little Lego blocks that God has used to build his universe. Isn't that amazing? But God's just getting started. Day five. God said, let the water team with living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Now God is going to create life. Now I'm aware that the plants and vegetation that God created on day three, that's alive. But this is life at a whole new level. 
This is life that has a center of control, a brain, where it can take in information from the world around it, but it is not controlled by it. It controls itself. God's just made artificial intelligence. And so he goes about filling his spaces with this amazing life. He fills the oceans, the rivers, the lakes, and all the swimming with swimming creatures. From the tiniest plankton that is one five thousandth of a millimeter big to the behemoth blue whale whose tongue is as heavy as an African elephant. And by the way, the beautiful symmetry of the fact that the blue whale dines exclusively on plankton is not lost on me. I love it. But that's not all. He makes the manta ray, which is this incredible flying plane in the ocean. He makes the electric eel, which can put out 600 volts in a single jab. He makes the great white shark, which can smell a drop of blood in the water nearly five kilometers away. (laughs) Good luck going to the beach again. He makes the octopus, which when attacked can detach its own leg and then grow a new leg a couple of weeks later. Or how about the starfish, which not only can grow back a limb, but it can grow back the entire star from a single limb. Which makes me wonder, if you detach the limb, would you get two starfish? I don't know. And then you've got these fish that live in the depths of the ocean. These tiny, floppy little fish that can withstand the kind of pressure that would turn a nuclear submarine into a little ball of metal. And yet they just swim around. Oh, and they can generate their own light too. You know, no big deal. It's incredible what God has made. But, you know, the ocean is not the only playground. The skies are filled with life as well with all manner of birds and insects, from the beautifully colored to the incredibly athletic to the stunningly vocal. Did you know, for example, that the Arctic tern migrates from the northern Arctic circle all the way down to Antarctica and then back again every year? Got some serious mileage points from that one. Or how about the butterfly, which has 12,000 distinct eyes in that ball on there? Or... Did you know about that the falcon can dive up to 180 kilometers per hour? And that the swift can do 160 kilometers per hour in a straight line? Did you know that the bat's echolocation is so good that it can fly through the blades of a fan? Although I'm assuming not when it's on. Did you know that the sooty turn spends three years without ever having to land on water or land? Or how about all birds? Do you know when a bird rests on a branch, it uses tendons, not muscles, to grip the branch? That means that it can go to sleep and relax its muscles and not fall off. Isn't that incredible? The incredible diversity of life, the meticulous planning, everything that God has put into these creatures, many of whom we didn't even know existed until recently, many of which we still don't know exist. But God has poured such creativity, such energy, such incredibleness into all of these animals. But he's not done. Day six is best yet. 
Verse 24, the land produced, so God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. (laughs) Good? Let me tell you how good. This is a gray wolf. A gray wolf's howl can cover an area 130 to 130 square kilometers. So in the right conditions, that means a, a wolf at the Glenfield Mall could be heard in Devonport and at Long Bay at the same time. And of course, I've got three kids at home who can make that much noise as well. But <laughs> this is a flea. A flea can jump 100 times its own body length. Probably not the thing we want to know, but it can do that. A Galapagos tortoise can go a year without food or water. The cheetah can accelerate from zero to 100 kilometers per hour in three seconds. That's faster than all but a handful of cars. Spider silk is stronger for its thickness than steel. And a five centimeter thick strand of spider silk can stop a 747 in its tracks. And if you like strength, check out the dung beetle. This little fella can pull up to 1,000 times its own body weight. That's like me hauling six double-decker buses full of people, which I've only done once. (laughs) And of course, this guy lives exclusively in dung and eats dung every day of the year, so God had to do something cool for it. And there are countless other amazing facts. I mean, this is just stuff I pulled off the internet in 20 minutes. You know, I mean, it's just incredible what God has done, how much effort he has poured into this world, how much just creativity. You know, I, I get tired of using the words amazing and incredible all the time, right? Because when you look at everything that he's made, when you think of all that he has done, adjectives become a little hard to come by. It's indescribable. Of course, you know what? If you've ever walked through the bush on a summer's day and listened to the birds and the insects, if you've ever sat and watched a sunset melt into a sea of pinks and oranges and red, you know what I'm talking about. This world is so amazing. Nate, why don't you come on up? Because I think this is a good time to contemplate and to really appreciate everything that he has made. You know what God said? He said he looked at it and saw that it was good. Good. You know, in other news, the Mona Lisa is an above average piece of artwork. This world is amazing. I want to take a moment. We're going to sing a song. Just to, just to thank God, to praise him for the incredible creation that he has made. Take it away. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels. 
and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See, creation story is not done, is it? And in fact, day six takes a little bit of an interesting turn. After God creates all of the animals, he does something he's never done yet. He does something completely different. Have a listen. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. He creates us. And we are unlike anything he has ever made before for one simple yet profound reason. We look like him. We are made in the image of God. He didn't speak us into being. Did you ever catch that in the story? He didn't speak us into being. He took dust and he lovingly molded it into shape. And then he breathed life into us. We are unlike anything else he has ever made. Do you know he does not describe us as creatures? We're not his pets. Do you know how he describes us? We're his children. We are his precious creation, the crown jewel of everything that he has made. And that is where I want to get to this morning. Because you know what? We're at this point in time in the year. I kind of made a joke about us giving up on our resolutions. But as we think about who we are, as we think about what kind of people we are at this time of year, do you know what we go back to? At the core of our humanity, do you know what story we go back to? We go back to Genesis 3, don't we? The fall of humanity. That's as far back as we ever get with who we are. We are broken, sinful people. And while I'm not denying the truth in that statement, I would like us, just today, just as a, as a fun little exercise, let's rewind the tape a little bit further from Genesis 3. Let's go back a little bit further to a more foundational point of who we are. Do you know when God looked at everything that he had made before we turned up? He said it was good. Do you know what he said after we were there? Or his words? Very good, exceedingly good. We are his treasure. I want to try something this year. If we're going to make a New Year's resolution, maybe this is the one we should make. Maybe, I wonder, if we could get up every morning, doesn't matter what time, stand in front of the mirror, and before you start accounting all of the things that you've done wrong, before you start thinking about what you haven't achieved or what sins you're trying to deal with, and I'm not saying don't look at that stuff. I'm saying before you look at all of that, 
I wonder if you could look at that reflection and say this. You are very good. You have been crowned with glory and honor. You are the best thing that God's ever made. I wonder what kind of difference that would make for our year. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All of the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am very good. Let's pray. Lord, I mean, even if, as I say those words, <laughs> part of me finds that very hard to believe. And we spend so much time focusing on the things that we've done wrong and the brokenness of our humanity. And, and you know, the news doesn't do anything to, to change that narrative for us. And yet when we look in your word, when we see what you have made, the incredible depth and detail and, and awesomeness and creativity that you poured into creation, and yet none of it compares to us. None of it is anything compared to what you have made in us. And yet you have saved us from all of the things that we've done wrong. And you've told us that we are as separated from our sins as the east is from the west. So perhaps, Lord, you can help us this year to see that what remains is the very good creation that you made. That's who we are. Certainly not by our own doing. We have no need to boast about it, but we are very good. We are the crown of creation. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we have you to thank for that. In your name we pray. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.